when I was a resident at Harvard, I wrote a, a, a grant and did a research sabbatical yep. here in the UK. So I came and, and I worked at Aston Villa for a summer. Um, and then I went to Sweden and worked with Malmo FF. Yeah. Also visited the FIFA house and then the Dutch soccer center in Zeist. Yeah. So I got a, got a chance to really see yeah, all absolutely. the different clubs in it Because yeah. when I first bumped into you, I can't believe you were an Aston Villa supporter. I was saying, how random. And, <laughs> it's uh, pretty but, random. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, make, that makes absolute sense. And of course, you extended that into your own area of kind of uh, practice and that you worked with the US soccer team and provided support there with Bert Mendelboom, the, the, the yes. two of you. Yes. Welcome to Surgical Goals, the podcast that brings you a unique insight into the world of sport and shines a light on many of the injuries picked up along the way, from some of the best sports stars and medical minds throughout their careers and of course the recoveries. My name is Jennifer Ruick and with the help of orthopaedic surgeon Professor Gordon Mackay, we're going to delve into that fascinating side of the sporting world. This week we are delighted to be joined by Professor of Orthopaedic Surgery and Chief of Foot and Ankle at University of California, Davis. Dr. Eric Giza. I just about got that right, Eric. Absolutely <laughs> just did. about there. Eric, welcome. Eric, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. And I think we need to start with you're currently wearing an Aberdeen football club shirt, Indeed and you are, I am. definitely not from Aberdeen. Yeah, what? Are, are you a big fan? Accent, no, it's it? not. And this is my first visit to Scotland, although uh, I spent some time welcome. in the UK. Yeah. But uh, I have a patient who used to play for Aberdeen years oh, ago. Wow. He's, a, he's probably in his late fifties, early sixties, and. I recently did an ankle replacement on him. So, wow. Okay. So, we, so that tells you what happens yeah. to footballers' can, ankles yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the long run, right? Well, like, to tell you the truth, he could probably still get a game then for Aberdeen. Oh, oh. oh. So they're, not, they're, they're not doing well. Or, I was going to yeah. say, there's nobody to back there's them there's, up here. There's no one yeah. to fight for them. But that's really cool. I mean, it's, it shows the relationship you end up having with your patients if they, they want to get involved and give you stuff like an Aberdeen football yeah, share. absolutely. No, you... You make a good connection with, you know, not all of your patients, but, but some, particularly those, I find that you get back to sport, you yeah. know, or, or yeah. just being active. Obviously, yeah. he's not yeah. actively playing anymore, but just so that he can do the things yeah. uh, that he wants to it's do. It's a big part of his life and you, yep. you'll be, you'll appreciate that. So that establishes a, a great relationship, but you would have shared a passion for football because you're very unusual in terms of American surgeons that I know, Eric, and that uh, you follow football soccer in the uk with a passion is that fair to say absolutely even absolutely. fantasy football even right? fantasy football <laughs> and and i so often joked with my american colleagues because when i give lectures i'll i'll say oh well this is a, a case study a 25 year old american football player because ah, they're, they're like right. you're the only guy from the u.s who says american football because <laughs> i understand what proper football <laughs> yeah, is. yeah you know exactly what the real stuff is yeah. what was it that drew you into football soccer so my parents or my grandparents all were from Poland. Okay. Right. And so my dad grew up playing soccer. And so he played, he went to West Point, which is our military yep, academy. Yep. And he famous. played soccer there and, and won a national championship in 1955. Oh, wow. That's so, yeah. so, so cool. In my hometown, it was in those days. Now, soccer has become very, very popular in the United States. Yeah. 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 It's constantly it is growing, isn't it? Especially with the ladies, isn't yeah, it? The yeah, the women's game yeah. has been massive. Because, yeah, the, the women's team is, is better than the men's. But everywhere now, especially in California, there's just heaps of soccer leagues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when I was a kid, it was the exact opposite. It was yeah. American football, mm -hmm. and then there were only a few kids who played soccer. So then I played up through um, university, mm -hmm. and then afterwards I played, you know, on some yeah. club teams in medical yeah. school or yeah, what have yeah. you. And then I think I hung up my boots when I was about 
36 or 37. I was playing. I was living in Santa Monica. I was just started my orthopedic surgery yeah. career. And uh, I came home and my wife said, how'd the game go? And I said, well, one guy tore his meniscus, which is the knee cartilage. Knee, another guy broke his finger and another guy tore his Achilles. And I fixed them all the next yeah. day. Yeah. I just gave him my car and I said, come on. And she's like, do you think maybe uh, until the kids are grown and uh, we pay for school and everything, you probably shouldn't be playing as much football. Honey. You know, it's HR, but I would lose all these customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. I know, I know. Fair so. enough. I think taking, taking less risk out of the football field is a totally reasonable decision. But in terms of orthopedic surgery, what was it that, that drew you into that field in particular? Actually, so when I was a kid, I was 10. I had Seavers apophysitis. Yeah. So that's that's basically just an irritation of a growth plate in your, your heel bone. Yep. Okay. And it was yep. when I was playing soccer. And so, so I, I so went. So even as a child, you were drawn to foot and ankle. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. You were, you were, you were drew to me. Huh? To, yeah, yeah. So my, as my mom tells the story, I was probably 10 or 11. We went to see the orthopedic surgeon and he yeah. explained everything that it was. And my mom said, I turned to her and said, Mom, I want to be that guy, and I want to be the guy who takes care of soccer players. Wow. Yeah, how prophetic, and, and I bet your mom wasn't too disappointed to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> probably, <laughs> although if you'd known me in high school, she'd be like, there's no way this kid's no. going to get it. I, I, know, I know you ended up at Harvard, so you, you, you did you well. Did right. the boys, yeah. the did well, yeah. That is amazing, though. That is something. Did you ever waver off that, or was that kind of you just decided at that moment and thought, right, I'm going to see this through? Yeah, I think, in, well, in medical school, I thought maybe I wanted to do, like, some other yeah, like, sure. infectious disease yeah, or something because yeah. you do the rotation and you think it's exciting but no yeah. that that was that was my dream and when i was um when i was a resident at harvard i wrote a a, a grant and did a research sabbatical yep. here in the uk so i came and and i worked at aston villa for a summer um, and then i went to sweden and worked with mamo ff yeah also visited the fifa house and then the dutch soccer center in zeist yeah so i got a got a chance to really see yeah, absolutely you got immersed in it because yeah. when i first bumped into you i couldn't believe you were an aston villa supporter i was saying how random but that makes that makes absolute sense and of course you extended that into your own area of kind of uh, practice and that you worked with the u.s soccer team and provided support there with bert mendelboom the, the, the yes, two of you actually, is that correct yeah. bert was the, is one of my mentors and so I did two fellowships, yep. uh, foot and ankle, and then also sports medicine, which in the U.S., orthopedic sports medicine is yep. mostly knee and shoulder surgery, yep. but all, all things sport. And and so, yeah, I, I specifically did Burt's fellowship because he yep. is the U.S., was and still is the yep. medical director of U.S. soccer. So so for many years, I, I worked with the, the teams, and when we were in Los Angeles, we took care of the, the Galaxy. Well, I was going to say that, one or two big names, someone that's... Very well known in the UK. Who yeah, would be the biggest David name? David Beckham was David there. David Beckham. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, I, he's known around the world, isn't yeah. he? I don't think there's anyone who doesn't know the name yeah. David Beckham. Yeah. 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 And, and I only had brief interactions with him because I, I left Santa Monica in 2008 to go to, oh, okay. to, to Sacramento to UC okay. Davis. But he was. Uh, you can still wear your name. best friend. Yeah, 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 you can't yeah. call David now and You can say. still name drop. Don't worry. Drop <laughs> yeah. it in there. Drop no, it in there. No, no. He was, he was a very, like, in the locker room and stuff, he was very pleasant. And, yeah. You know, and he comes over that way. Yeah. yeah. You can just pretend you're best pals now. Nobody will question. No, absolutely. Besties. Besties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in terms of the world of orthopedics yeah. and sports science, I mean, we've spoken about this a lot over different podcasts and with different guests, but. How does orthopedic surgery and sports medicine, how does it differ from normal medicine? Why is it so important to differentiate between that in terms of studying? Like what, what different areas do you deal with than just normal human bodies? 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question, and, I, and I'll ask Professor Mackay the same thing. Is is <laughs> in in the U.S. sports medicine, a lot of it grew out of American football. So yeah. yeah. So in 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 the old days. It wasn't hard. Orthopedic surgery now is very competitive mm-hmm. to get into. You yeah, oh, yeah. the best medical students. I, honestly, I don't think I would get into it these <laughs> days. Some of these things, the talent we look at. But, um, but it was not difficult to get into in the 1960s. It was mm-hmm. kind of the people mm-hmm. wanted to be cardiologists and what yeah. have you in the U.S. And so usually it was like the ex-American football player who's bright but not yeah. the smartest sure. in the bunch was doing orthopedics because uh-huh. you had to be kind of big and burly because yeah, it was kind we, of physical was, job really it was a physical it? job Fractures, putting on traction casts, yeah. casts. yeah wow. that's right traction i mean yeah is that quite a physical thing to be doing it, it was traditionally wow. it favored american footballers and rugby players in this country yeah. I, I would say that yeah. because uh yeah they were just drawn to there was a manual aspect to it Great. but as yeah. we moved on to uh, a more sophisticated more phase. Is that a nuance? Yes. I think it is. Yeah. It's certainly foot and ankle surgeons, but the, yeah. the idea that, that it really has changed, and you've caught the wave a wee bit. In fact, you've contributed a lot to that change, I think, to, yeah. to be yeah. fair, in terms of innovation. But foot and ankle surgery is quite different now than it was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah? for sure. Yeah, yeah especially yeah, there was, in the world of sport, isn't it? It's so different. Absolutely. There was kind of, interestingly, the foot and ankle surgeon of, of 20 years ago really just dealt with arthritis, almost non-sport, and the sports, the orthopedic sports medicine doctors were the ones who did the foot and ankle. And so now that's definitely changed. So, you know, arthroscopy, which is, you know, cameras inside the small joints in the, in the foot and ankle, all that's evolved to the point we have a fellowship now, which yep. is the last year of training for our, you know, in the U.S. they do four years of med school, five years of residency or registrar, yep. and then a year of foot and ankle. And so for our fellows, they do all foot and ankle, of course, but we do have an emphasis on sport and mm-hmm. cartilage and all that. Yep, so, yep. so it really, as we were talking about, it kind of evolved in the U.S. from these ex-football players, rugby players, yeah. putting on people in body casts, and, you know, yeah. to to this kind of more refined thing. And that's sort of to answer your question as to how sports medicine evolved with orthopedics in the United States is because then those same ex-football players wanted to go hang around the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And still be out on the pitch or the football field, as they say in America. And I think for, for American sports medicine, a lot, that's how a lot of it evolved. And it's only been the last 10 years that Mm -hmm. we have actually sports medicine physicians who aren't surgeons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Whereas when I came it was 2001 when I spent my time in the UK and yep, yep, and I was surprised to see like, oh, this is somebody who's not a surgeon who does sports medicine. We really didn't have that in the US. Yeah. And now that's completely evolved into kind of two layers. Because and, and the funniest thing was when I was in Australia where I did my foot and ankle fellowship and they have they have always had sports medicine physicians there yeah. too. This is the, for those listening, this is the beauty of our world, isn't it? Really. Yeah. In terms of the collaboration, friendship, and the experience we get internationally, really. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, we're learning ourselves, we're sharing ideas, but we do have an opportunity to travel. It's kind of surgical tourism, really. Yeah, but you, it's you so important. Time. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I suppose you learn yeah, so much from different yeah. Yeah. different cultures and different places that and are already different developing sports. it. Uh, just yeah. to see yeah. the injury patterns uh, yeah. have changed. But, you know, and so my mentor in Australia, Martin Sullivan, he took me to the rugby match, the, yeah. the Wartaws of Sydney. Yeah. Sydney. And you know, I was all nervous. I'm like, you know, I'm this young guy. I'm like, oh, you know, Martin, do I need kit? Where are we going to be? He's like, 
mate, you're going to be up in the skybox. I'm like, but we're, are we on the sideline? He's like, what are you going to do? Run out on the field and fix their, operate on their ankle? He's like, that's what sports medicine physicians are for. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get my head around that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a different world, I suppose, Anne. And you said it's constantly evolving. It's still, I suppose, relatively new in terms of an area of medicine and being that sports physician. But when you are working on sports level athletes, I presume, are you looking for that almost a higher level of recovery than maybe someone like me? If I injure myself, I'm not trying to push my body quite as hard as a mm-hmm. as an athlete. Does that where it differs a bit as well? Would that be fair? Or are you looking for exactly the same sort of recovery? Well, I treat all patients equally, mm-hmm. obviously, but, but certainly the expectations and, and the outcomes. And, and, and obviously, uh, Gordon has, has mm-hmm. created something that gets patients back quicker yeah and the you know the internal brace um, do you use that yourself as absolutely well? yeah. yeah and it really has made a huge difference for return to play and so but yeah for sure with with the athletes also the access that they have for yeah. the rehab you know yeah. so if i operate on one of our uc davis yeah. soccer yeah. players yeah. or american football players i know that two days in they're going to be in the training room with the physio or the athletic yeah. athletic yeah. trainer already mobilizing the joints and, and that's why it's important to have stability but also have mobility. Yeah. And so yeah. when you're when you're dealing with these injuries. So it is a little bit of a of a higher level just in terms of the expectation. You're pushing yeah. your body that yeah. way. Accelerated recovery because you get early and appropriate intervention and then as you say the intensity of rehabilitation can make quite a difference in terms of time, but also the quality of recovery as well. So you want to minimize the risk of re injury. Yeah. Especially in the in the high performance because it can come back to bite you so there's that side but Eric I know know, talking about accelerated recovery and we have used the internal brace in terms of the common ankle injuries and and lots of other applications in the body now but you've also been pushing the envelope a wee bit in terms of in the midfoot for unusual injuries which I I guess are common high energy injuries in maybe American football and even the even pole realignment for example bunion surgery so You've definitely been at the forefront of all this innovation. So tell me a little about your experience. Um, well, uh, specifically in the, the midfoot, so it's the middle of the foot, kind yeah. of in between the ankle and the toes, there's a joint complex called the Lisfranc, and it was named after a surgeon, wow. Jacques Lisfranc. He was in Napoleon's <laughs> army. This is like, really? And he didn't, this is surgery so for you. Yeah, it's like, these, these names stick. <laughs> you know, these names stick. Well, and, where's the Giza? Yeah. The Giza's <laughs> going to be, we've got to come up with the Giza. <laughs> It'll be around for hundreds of years. They don't, they don't do that anymore. You don't get to stick your name on stuff too much. But uh, no, so, so he just described the anatomy in that area for an amputation through there because, you know, the shooting cannonballs at, at soldiers' yeah, feet. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, um, but it has stuck. And so there's a specific injury in there, the ligaments, the way that they're aligned to help keep stability of the foot. And so we do see it more. American football, it's very common because you yeah. have, you know, somebody with their with their foot planted in the ground and then you get these huge guys that just pile oh, on. Going through them, yeah. yeah. And so that injury, the, the Liz Frank injury, is one that is not that common. It's only 2% of traumas in, in the U.S., but it's if it's not fixed properly, it can lead to early arthritis and kind of, yeah. you know, bad outcomes. So mm. in the past, the, the mantra was was always put screws across these joints. Okay. And then and they, they have a little bit of motion, a few millimeters, and then take the screws out. Yeah. But that never worked for me because mm. we know like with ACL surgery, which is the knee ligament, yeah, yeah. You never say just shove a huge screw across your <laughs> knee and then we'll and let it break it. and we'll take it out later. No, they've always innovated to, it's a good analogy. to fix it. Yeah, so, yeah. so for the Liz Frank joint, it never made sense to me why, you know, all these stodgy old professors that 
I had it at Harvard's. Mm-hmm. They were all <laughs> no names. They don't retire. <laughs> don't worry. They don't retire. I'm grateful for my training. Absolutely. No, but they would just say, "Well, this is how this is fixed. And there's yeah. no other way." And I'm this like, "This is how it's done." Yeah. I'm like, yeah. but, but if we want to promote motion, which yeah. is what the internal brace does, why don't yeah. we make a Liz Frank internal brace? So that was the concept behind that. And then mm-hmm. for the next phase is, is bunion surgery, which. That's not it's such a common problem. It's by a huge problem. Not necessarily yeah. with your professional athlete, but yeah. with life. People, we were totally. on our feet for a long time. Yeah. I also and think we're the, word, longer. the word bunion is just awful, isn't it? it? Is. As yeah, a word, it yeah. obviously just makes me think of onions and onion feet, and it's yeah, not a pleasant no, thing. No, 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 pleasant not association. Pleasant thing. It is, no, it, it's and, necessary for a lot of people absolutely. for comfort, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And so there's, it's, it's funny to think about that. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, well, for me, it's not. But then it's funny because my kids will look through my. You know, if they're looking yeah. at my photos on my phone, it's like, you know, us here, sunset, us here over the parties. sunset, and then oh god, onion surgery, <laughs> <laughs> open surgery. My kids are used to it oh, by no. now, but but, uh, but no, yeah. So, so bunions um, are very common, and and in fact, I I think I fixed more bunions during the pandemic because we we took a couple of months off, but then we were back to doing elective surgery, and so sure. I had all these people who were. Either not working out of work or, or working mm-hmm. from home, say, I, oh, I, I, yeah, it's always been bothering me. I want to get this fixed. And so my fellow that year, you know, late 2020, he's like, all we do is bunion surgery here. It's like, where's all the sports injury? But of course, all the sport was shut we're down. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we weren't yeah, getting that many yeah. sport injuries and then nobody was driving. So there was less uh-huh. trauma, you know, road trauma and that kind yeah. of stuff. So. It was an interesting little time that, that we did a lot of those. <laughs> I feel um, this is a tangent I probably don't really want to go down, but why do bunions happen? Is it just a foot joint? Is, is it trauma? Is there anything? That's, is it just the way your foot is built? Um, trauma is, it does happen, but it's pretty rare. Okay. Meaning the, the ligament on the inside of your yeah. big toe joint. So it's thought to be multifactorial. So more common in women, but of course I have male patients. Uh-huh. More common in, in the populations that wear shoes, yep. pointy shoes, yeah. high heels. But um, it's they're also found in in unshot populations, yeah. like okay. where people you know don't yeah. wear commonly wear shoes, yeah. and certainly there's a there's a hereditary thing. So it's like oh my my mom had bunions, yeah. my grandmother had bunions. Mm. So so there's it's multifactorial. Yeah. You, it's not about wearing the wrong shoes all the time. Then no, you don't have to no. Worry about no, that. simple as that. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't but feel too bad. After lockdown, did you find that a lot of injuries did it did it explode? Did people actually get more injured after that? break going back into sport or did people manage to sort of maintain themselves right? I think it, I think it just ramped back mm-hmm. up I don't know what it was like back here, to sort of normal levels yeah, we actually had a wee peak with uh, folk returning to activity after yeah. deconditioning mm-hmm. and conversely we had a group that just overdid it. Just sort of took the free time so and went mad, themselves unrealistic goals. Yeah, so we, we we had a wee bit of the overuse fraternity, and we definitely had those that just fell apart when they came back because. They maybe maintained a level of fitness that masks sure. min- minor issues. Yeah, and then but when they came back, they just couldn't get into their stride anymore. You know, they, they, there was a problem. True. So, so I, I guess yeah. that's what we yeah. recognised at this end. Um, I always joke that I don't. That I'm sure they have CrossFit here in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. I always joke CrossFit is like one of my you know my, my best referral businesses <laughs> because uh, you know they're not necessarily like. You know, I played sport my whole life, and you go up and down with your fitness levels sometimes. Sure. I'm now 50, but you CrossFit was you get a, a bunch of people who never did any sport when they were yeah. younger, maybe yeah. just you know recreational or something. Now all of a sudden they're in these groups of other millennial twenty somethings, yeah, all yeah, saying, yeah. "Oh, we got to 
do box jumps and all this <laughs> stuff. So suddenly I'm getting Achilles ruptures yeah. in 30 year olds or 25 year olds like, who are trying to true. box jump. But they didn't, when they were kids, they just sat on the couch. So you're yeah, like, yeah. but I'm glad they're trying to be, you know, they're raising yeah. their fitness yeah. level, but yeah. kind of overdoing it can then lead yeah. to those types of injuries. Well, yeah. you obviously, you both see a lot of injuries, but is there anything you can do? What is the best way to try and avoid injury? It's the, the million dollar question, I suppose. But how, how do you make sure your body is, is, not going to pick up as many injuries. I, I think it's a it's a maintenance thing. You know, mm. you know, obviously eating right, keeping your weight down, but then mm. you know, training, but not over, you know, not yeah. over training. And I, and I, I think it's it's part of it is also being realistic with with what your expectations are. Yeah. And and you know, sometimes I get runners who somebody takes up running in their their thirties and they want to run marathons, and they come in and they say, well, well, what you know why do I have this doctor? Why do I have a stress mm -hmm. fracture? Or why did, you know, yeah. sesamoid is a tiny bone in the, in the ball of your foot. That's almost like X is almost like the kneecap okay. uh, of the, of the big toe joint. And there's two yeah. of them, but you've overused from running. You can sometimes get a stress fracture in yeah. that. Sure. And I sort of look at them and they're like, well, but that other person can, you know, run marathon. I'm like, yeah, that's like <laughs> what they do. They, they've been running a lot. You're from El Dorado Hills, California, <laughs> yeah. and you can run. You know, they're always like, oh, well, I'm in my like 15th mile and it starts to hurt. I'm like, yeah, yeah so then run 12. Yeah. Okay? yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. all you need to do. Manage expectations. That's <laughs> so, good advice. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's, well, it as Gordon knows, taking care of patients is not, yeah. I always tell my registrars and, and fellows, it's like you're managing expectations. Okay? Yeah. You're not. That's all what a true. lot of patient care is, is mm. just managing patient expectations. Yeah. I often say that to my patients that are in a similar situation and say, look, if you're ever going to run a marathon or do an ultra marathon, you do it at 18 yeah. and then you taper, okay? Yeah. So when you're approaching retirement, you want an active retirement, that's not when you suddenly become an Ironman. Right, right. That's, you you know, become a golfer. Yeah, you golf <laughs> and you run 5Ks, okay? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you know, get, get, get the balance Play right. with your grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. And watch <laughs> them run a marathon. <laughs> when it comes to marathons, though, I feel like I've been told that you get as you get a bit more mature, your body's actually better for it. Is that not the case? Is it general rule younger, better for most sports? Well, it depends what you mean. Maybe in terms like of in your mental toughness and, and stamina, and might be a, there might be some advantages as you get older, no. and females have certainly reported this. But I think on the whole, just don't. I would. Yeah, my advice yeah. is, I have done I like one marathon. Don't do any more. They're yeah, awful. Yeah, one's enough. And I like <laughs> one's Eric's too many. I don't like do Eric's it. Point. There seems to be a theme actually. We're talking <laughs> to our visitors. It's about moderation. Yes. Those of us that deal with injuries, manage injuries, know that moderation is the answer, yeah. really, yeah. Yeah. for enjoyable activity. Just thinking of foot injuries that I've heard of in elite athletes. Rafael Nadal in tennis, he played the French Open with, he's got oh, some sort of point. bone in his foot that is not doing so well. I might have even read it's necrotic, as in it's, it's not I don't know the detail. Maybe Eric knows more. Yeah, about, you know, he's he's about it. I, I, I heard about it, but I didn't read it. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're saying, and I, again, we could just look it up on ESPN or something, but yeah. if... When you say that something's necrotic, that that is the dying bit. Of yeah, food, and that's not, what I mentioned. Yeah. That, that the most common one in the foot. There's there's two. There's the sesamoid, which I already mentioned, and yeah. then there's a navicular bone, which kind of yeah. connects the ankle to the middle of the foot. A bit like the scaphoid in the wrist. Same it, exactly. Idea. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's a common bone to get. That to, one sounds like I read that. I remember that reading yeah. so it. I think so. Oh, okay. yeah. I, there was something wrong, but basically you said it is a condition mm. that's going to continue to get worse. The rumours about Rafa's injury started here. In our point. I'm just mixing <laughs> exactly. it all up in here. <laughs> it I read off. one of those things, though, yeah. but as an athlete, obviously, you, you're kind of talking about managing expectations, and his expectations are obviously to be yeah, one of the best yeah, to continue yeah. through yeah. that pain. 
would you ever advise anyone to kind of go through that boundary of pain? Where do you stop? Where do you manage and kind of keep going with an injury? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we certainly, for these professional athletes, will something we wouldn't tell a regular patient. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, you yeah. know what? You, you have a broken bone and just, you know, power through. Sure. And there was kind of a famous case in the U.S. That there's a guy named Tua, and he played for, for Alabama, which is a big football team. Yep. And it was two weeks before the championship, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. American football championship. And he had a syndesmosis injury, which is a, a ligament tear in the ankle. And the, the, the doctor there is a good friend of mine, the sports medicine foot and ankle. Yep. He did the surgery. <laughs> and normally it's four to six weeks non-weight bearing. He did the surgery and then let him play two weeks later. Wow. And it wasn't. And, and when you talk to Norm, the, the doctor, mm -hmm. he's like, no, this was not a normal thing. Sure. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, of yeah. course, the worry in the United States always is like, if we misstep, you know, you can get sued. Legal. And so yeah. the legal thing, so there was a lot of back and forth, but he was able to get back. And there's yeah. another famous case of an American football quarterback, and he played in the, in the Super Bowl, which is the championship game. Not this this year, but the, the prior year. We know what the Super Bowl is. Yeah, we, yeah we're with the, you. Yeah, the, I like it for the halftime show. Yeah, <laughs> show so the, he had a turf toe injury, yeah. um, which is, again, the, it's, a, it's a sprain of the ligaments in the big toe. So he played in the Super Bowl uh -huh. with a special modified shoe, and then he was in the operating room the next day wow. all right, with, with a very famous doctor in the U.S. who does all the football injuries. That's we're, amazing. We're, we're always asked to push the boundaries. Push boundaries and you, yeah. uh, and you certainly led in the field of innovation in sports. And it's been a pleasure working with you, Eric, and, and I hope we'll continue to collaborate on various little pleasure projects as well. because it's, it's always great fun as, as well as being very rewarding. Absolutely. No, it's a yep. fascinating world and it's incredible to see the excitement around continuing to pioneer in that yeah. as well. So yeah. Absolutely. And it gives me an excuse to visit California. There you as go. As Welcome anytime. An <laughs> Sacramento. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, thank <laughs> you so Tahoe. much for chatting to us. It's yeah, been brilliant. Honored to be here. Thanks so much. Thank you very much.